barely anybody knows about this business and I'm buying it as many as I can. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me excited today to have Mariusz. Uh, I, I'm going to totally butcher this, like I like I told you, but uh, Skoniesky. Is that right? Not bad. Not, bad. Say it? not bad. Not oh, too bad. Yeah. You, why don't you say it? Because it, it sounds so much better coming from you anyways. So it's Mariusz. Mariusz Skonieczny. Love it. Love it. Um, you are the founder of Classic Value Investors and Microcap Explosion uh, and the creator of Value Investing University. Uh, Mariusz also is the author of 11 books on the subject of investing. And uh, I, I dug around a little bit on your website, Microcap Explosions, a private membership website uh, where you share basically your investment ideas with the members and, and kind of what you're doing. So that's, that's pretty cool. I think a really cool uh, stat here is you started in 2009 investing with about $10,000 and, uh, you know, by by March of 2021, you're sitting there being able to uh, invest about $4 million. So you know, 400x return in a pretty small period of time. Obviously, the market has behaved well, and but you've definitely outperformed uh, what's been happening with the market. So uh, we'll kind of dig into some of your your ingredients and what you're doing and, and why what you're doing is working um, better than kind of the traditional markets. So uh, with that said, why don't you give our listeners a bit more about your background and, and then we'll dive into what you're doing today. Okay. So I, I'm originally from Poland. I came to the U S in 1996, uh, finished my second, third and fourth year of high school, and then went to college, got a finance degree, uh, originally got involved with real estate because in the early 2000s, that was when, you know, poor dad, rich dad mm-hmm. books came out that kind of caught my interest. I didn't have any money. So I figured, Hey, the best way to learn about real estate is to become an appraiser. So I was an appraiser for both residential and, and commercial. Then I did a little bit of brokerage, uh, on the commercial side. And, but, but I didn't really uh, have the drive or passion for real estate the same way I, I have for, for stocks or businesses. And I was already uh, investing my own money at the time. And when the 2008, 2009 financial crisis came, like literally December 31st, 2008, I just left. I said, I'm, I'm going full-time into stocks. Hmm. Um, and people thought I was crazy. Uh, you know, why would you do that? And and, uh, and uh, you know, turned out pretty well over the time. And I, I, focus, on, uh, I focus on small companies, uh, small micro-cap companies uh, where, where I have very little competition. So that, that's the key. I go to places where others don't. So these micro-cap... Um 
these micro cap companies, like where, where are you seeing them? What, like explain to me what a micro cap company is for those listeners who don't really know. So, so a publicly traded companies are categorized based on size or, mm-hmm. or their market capitalization, their, their equity, what, what the equity is valued in the market. So you have all the shares out there multiplied by the price per share. This is what the market says the market capitalization of a company is. Yeah. And uh, uh, micro cap companies, the, I guess the definition can be less than 100 million market cap. And, uh, you know, we're used to, we're used to hearing the Teslas, the Microsoft, the Apples of the world. They're, they're the big cap names and they, they, yeah. they trade on the most reputable exchanges, New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. Smaller companies might, it might be too early for them uh, to trade at those exchanges. Uh, the traditional path to becoming a public company is to stay private, get funded by venture capital. And then when, when they become big enough, then they go IPO straight on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. But there's, tradi- there's uh, non-traditional ways of, of doing this. Some companies want to give liquidity to their shareholders earlier and they don't qualify or they're not big enough or they don't want to spend the money to be on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. So then they might list and give, give their shareholders liquidity, meaning you know they can sell their stock. And then they might list on the secondary exchanges like they might be on OTC, which is over the counter, or or uh, Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, or or Canadian Stock Exchange. Um, the the listing requirements are not as strict. Uh, the listing costs are less. The regulatory costs are less, and they might uh, you know list there, and uh, and that presents. Uh, an interesting opportunity because most investors don't even know these exchanges exist. That's number one. Uh, and so therefore very few people are looking there. Uh, the hedge fund managers or the institutions, what well, they're in the business of uh, acquiring assets under management and charging uh, fees based on what they manage. Um, so they go for size. And if you go for size, you you have to look for things that are big. You have to look for things that have a lot of liquidity. So, 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 so you're not gonna go to that space because that space doesn't give you liquidity um, and it's not big enough. If you're running a $2 billion um, fund, I mean, you, you can't play around with you know, $50 million companies. Like you can't because you, you would need thousands of them to fill up your fund. Sure. Uh, so you're out. And then, so institutions are really out for, for, for most, for the most part. And then, then you have retail. Well, retail, you know, schizophrenic retail. I mean, they're chasing, you know, what, what were they chasing recently? You know, crypto, Bitcoin, anything worthless. That's what they were chasing, right? Uh, AMC, GameStop. I mean, they have no idea what they're doing, most of them. And they're definitely not going to be that not going to be there. So most of the retail is out. So, so who is there? Well, a lot of uh, the companies that are trade on these exchanges, 80 to 90% are complete trash. They don't have a business. They might be looking for gold or silver and mining companies promise you the moon. They have cure for cancer. Uh, so it's very speculative things. 
Um, that's mostly what investors are looking for at these exchanges. They, hmm. you know, they look for cannabis stocks. They, they get high on pot and they're looking for gold. That's their specialty. Yeah. Uh, so again, and I'm looking for that 10 to 20% on these exchanges. Uh, and in other words, I'm looking for real businesses with real customers or real assets, real technologies that can solve a major problem and things like that. Uh, so I have very little competition from other people looking at it. And then there is a information, informational advantage because I mean, you can develop informational advantage because you can get the CEO on the phone. You can get uh, certain individuals on the phone that can tell you about the business and there's barely any analysts covering them. So you can get an edge, your, your effort, your due diligence effort in that space can get you a lot further than if, if you do this kind of work on the major exchanges. Like what good does it do for me to do a lot of work on Microsoft? I mean, like everybody knows about Microsoft. There's not much secret about what's going on there. Uh, you know, lots of analysts are covering it. There's, there's the efforts, the efforts that you put in give you very little reward because of that. So that's in a nutshell what, what I do and why I do it. it oh, very interesting. So you're looking for that 10 to 20%. Um, the companies that have real assets, real growth, real, real customers, you know, that are, that are out there. I really like that you can actually potentially even call up and talk with the CEO or talk with people that are, that are part of the company that are actually, you know, making decisions. Uh, that to me is very interesting um, to get to know a little bit about what their that company is all about like you can't call up micro you, you can't call up microsoft you know to stick with them and get anybody to really in charge there you know you're gonna get yeah. a customer service person and that's about it but you're not gonna you're not gonna I, maybe if you're putting in you know billions of dollars into their company but if you're just you know you or myself and you're putting in you know 50 to a hundred thousand or you know you're not gonna get anybody that's right. And also, not only can you get them on the phone, um, you can actually be influential. You can help those companies. Hmm. Uh, because if, if let's say they're fast growing and they might not be at a stage where they're profitable yet, you can, uh, you can help them with exposure. You can help them with raising capital. You can be, you can be an activist shareholder, not just a passive. So you, you kind of, you can create your own success, which you would not be able to do that with the big, big companies, unless, of course, you're running billions of dollars. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're kind of, you know, if, if you are investing in a company and you want to see it be successful. Yeah, with with Tesla, sure, you can put on social media, all stuff about Tesla, and maybe it kind of helps, but not much, right? But if, if you've got a company that you're constantly blasting on social media, you're telling people about you're you're helping bring money into that deal, you're growing that business, which then in turn grows the profitability of your investment. That's um, right. That, ma that makes a lot of sense. How does the value grow? That would be my biggest concern. I'm buying this, you know, small 
buying into this small company. You said everybody's ignoring it, right? So there's not a lot of competition. So you're getting these for a, a good deal. You're buying them for cheap. But when I relate it to like an apartment, right? If I'm buying an apartment that nobody else wants and I buy it, it might have good cash flow. But when I go to sell it, still nobody wants it. So how are you growing that value of the, well, uh, uh, the stock? Apartment is a great example because it's kind of similar, but it's not. Because uh, when you're buying an apartment, you're buying you're buying it from a knowledgeable person. Okay, you're buying it from a person that's running the running the apartment business as a business, and he or she knows more than you about that asset. Uh, they're not going to give it to you on the cheap because they're real owners. They're, they they look at fundamentals, they look at the cash flow, they look at the expenses, they look at uh, the cap rates, they look at the interest rates. They're a real owner. When you're dealing with uh, owners of stocks, you're not dealing with real owners. They're not owners. They're, they're fly-by-night shareholders. They don't under, they've never started or ran a business in their life. They have big opinions, big expectations, but they have no idea what they're doing. They're hedge fund managers. They're not real owners. They, looked at, they look at charts. They look at what's going on in the economy. I mean... Uh, somebody will sell you a stock if they think it's going to go down, you know, 10% mm -hmm. the next day, or, or they hear something on the news that scares them. They're going to sell it to you because they're more, especially if they're, you know, even if they're running a small fund, they, they care about quarterly or monthly performance. They're not real owners. They're going to sell you something cheap. And it would never happen with an apartment. So, so you can get deals. Absolutely, you can get deals. And simply because the, the people that are selling you the stock are not real owners. Uh, the CEO, I can guarantee you, the CEO will not sell you his shares for the price that somebody else is selling you their shares. Hmm. Uh, uh, and so how... so so you can make money in two ways. You can make money uh, that at some point the company is going to be discovered and it's going to be repriced because right now, barely anybody's looking at it. You can, you can buy it. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. You can buy it cheap. And, and if it gets discovered or you go on social media and start talking about it, it might get discovered repriced, but also you want to buy companies that are growing uh, so that, you know, three, five years down the road, they're going to be big enough. They're going to be maybe profitable, but the, the, they're going to be big enough that they can uplist from the secondary exchanges to NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. And that alone, along with the growth, should, should reprice the stock and bring more attention to it. And uh, you're not going to get there. It's not going to sell for a great of a deal when it's trading on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, it's, it's probably just too much trading happening. And um, too, too so it's hands. kind of so it's kind of equivalent to, let's say you have an apartment building 
that's 60% occupied. Mm -hmm. And based on that, it's trading at 10 cap. Okay. And then you buy it at a 10 cap, you fill it up to 95% occupancy and you sell it for 5% cap rate. Yep. Yep. Love it. That, that's a great example. Um, what do you do when the, <laughs> what do you do to avoid losing when the media starts to scare everybody? Right. Cause that's, that's the biggest issue with, with anything publicly traded is that man, it's the news freaks people out and everybody uh, gets scared. And uh, you know, you said they'll, they'll sell it for a 10%, 20% discount just right away because something whatever uh, they got a knee jerk reaction. They decide to sell. So what do you do to avoid getting caught in that kind of crazy storm? You don't, you just lose. I mean, <laughs> you don't, there's no, that's the, so do you sell though? Do you sell? Well, be, I mean, I might sell you can? just depends because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these stocks, you can't just sell your entire position right away. It might take you, because of the liquidity, liquidity is lower, fewer buyers. It might take you a month to exit the position. So the price, the price that you pay for being in that space is, is huge volatility uh, to the downside because nobody is really concerned about volatility, the upside. Um, so when you were reading my bio, so yeah, I, I turned 10,000 to 4 million, but then a few months later, it reached 7 million. So I, I took 10,000 to 7 million and I'm probably down 5 million since then. So that's huge volatility go from seven, seven to two, right? Within eight months. Uh, but that's the price. That's the price you have to pay for being in that space. And that's the, you have to have stomach for volatility. And there's, there's no magic pill that you can avoid something. Uh, when the market is horrible, like, it is right now. My stocks are down. People are screaming, uh, blaming everybody, pointing fingers. But, you know, as long as my businesses uh, turned out the way I think they will turn out, I'm going to recoup my losses and I'm going to be fine. So I'm annoyed, but that's the price I have to pay. So what's, I mean, that, that's, uh, take me through that mindset, right? You go from seven to you go up, obviously you're still, you're still in that game, right? But you go up from seven or up to seven and then you drop down and now you're sitting here, you know, a couple million or whatever it is. That's a big drop. And you're, you're annoyed. And that's it. Like, take me through that mindset. How do you, how did you get to where you're like, you know, that stocks, but we're still going to be fine. Yeah, so let me give you an example in real estate, actually. Um, there's this company called Voxter, V-O-X-T-U-R, which I own a lot of shares. Uh, I started buying it at around 30 cents. It went to almost $2. And now it's sitting at 50 cents. Hmm. Uh, and what they do is uh, they have a few, few different businesses, but they they kind of are revolutionizing the real estate appraisal space where they're making appraisers faster. They, uh, I mean, it's, it's, 
I'm not going to like go into too much detail into this business, but I like for those that are interested, just take my name and find my YouTube channel. And, and I have a playlist about Voxter on my YouTube channel. But um, they, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it on the residential side. Uh, uh, the, the title insurance is like a scam. Mm -hmm. uh, you see, regular insurance companies, uh, when they collect premiums, they pay out about 80% of premiums in claims. That's just how they price their policies. In title insurance, only about 5% of premiums get paid out in claims. So that's, that's why if you Google it and you type, type in title insurance scam, you, you'll, you, you, you'll get a lot of articles about this. So yeah. Voxter, one of the business, what they did is for three years, they were working with the regulators to come up with an alternative product to title insurance, which is called AOL, attorney opinion letter. And they got that approved by, uh, by Fannie and Freddie on April 6th of this year. That's why the stock just, just took off like a rocket to $2. Mm -hmm. And you see, that's a hugely important product that they came up and they have like a monopoly on it because they're the only ones that have it. And reg regular title insurance might cost, depending on the state, 1500 to 5000 Attorney opinion letter, you know, you, they can get it for 500 So, wow. uh, So they're coming out with this product. They're changing the industry. Uh, now seven, seven lenders are signing up for it. And, uh, and the market is selling it off. Like it's down 70% because the market, you know, decided to be like, oh, you know, we're going to have recession or, you know, interest rates are terrible. Um, so, so now the stock is down. Like if I think the stock is going to go to 20, uh, 10 to $20, like, and, and I didn't sell it at two. And now it's at 50 cents. Am I supposed to sell it at 50 cents just because the market is an idiot? Like, like, it doesn't matter. Like I'm annoyed. I'm down a lot of money, but I know what I own. I know what it's going to be uh, worth. But today we're sitting in this, like during COVID, you know, during COVID when everybody was getting the steamy checks and all the stocks, everything was going up. Interest rates were low. This is what people were saying during, during COVID. Buy Amazon stock because people are going to stay at home and they're going to be ordering everything on Amazon. Two weeks later, buy Amazon stock because people are going to be staying at home and ordering at home. Three weeks later, same message. And then it was Zoom. Buy Zoom stock because blah, blah, blah. Uh, buy Netflix stocks because people are going to be staying at home and watching Netflix. Buy, buy Netflix. Like, okay, how many times do you have to tell me the same freaking story? Like, isn't this already priced in? It's kind of like, it's kind of like you going to buy a house and then the seller says, oh, you agreed on a price, $100,000. And the seller says, but we have a pool in the back. Oh, okay. I didn't know you had a pool in the back. So I'll give you 110. Five minutes later, the seller says, but we have a pool in the back. And then 10 minutes later, we have a pool in the back. Okay. I already paid you for the freaking pool. Like how many times do you need to say that you have a pool in the back? Like, do you think I'm going to pay you a million dollars for your house? Because you told me that you have a pool in the back 50 times. Like it doesn't work like that. At some point it's priced in, but that's how it was during the COVID. Now it's the opposite. Now you're, uh, you're selling a house and then the, buy then the buyer says, uh, oh, but you don't have a pool in the back. 
Okay, well, take $10,000 off. But you don't have a pool in the back. Okay, do you want me to give you the house for free? Just because you told, you reminded me that I don't have a house. I don't have a pool in the back. Like seriously? Or do you want me to pay you to take my house off of me just because I don't have a pool? That's where we are right now. Like interest rates are going up. We're going into recession. Okay, I heard it. I heard it a thousand times already. I heard it a hundred times per day. That doesn't mean that whatever stocks I have are worthless. Okay, that doesn't mean that. It might be worth less, but they are not worth less. That's the difference. Yeah. Well, and it's a temporary thing too. Like you said, uh, you know, with, with this other, with this company, and I'm sure plenty, plenty more that you could point out. Certainly the stock price is going down, but that doesn't mean the value of the business is truly down. Um, is the, are they a growing business still? Or, you know, are the fundamentals still there? And if they are, well, then hang on to your stock and probably buy more of that same stock because it's now it's discounted uh, at a, at a cheaper price. That's, I'm not a big, uh, big stock person, but that's kind of how I look at things too. If I feel like that company is strong and in a good position to grow and that stock goes down, I'm just going to double down on, on that, on that stock. Yeah. I yeah. did lose. But, but if you, if you right, see, but... if, if real estate was priced, if real estate was priced, uh, and it was, if a hundred unit apartment building was, um, you know, publicly traded instead of having one owner or a syndicate, it had, you know, thousands of publicly traded owners, you would see the price of this apartment building go from 5 million to 500,000 because interest rates are going up. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous and yeah, outrageous. You see that volatility yeah. still happening. But, yeah. but, but because apartments and real estate is priced in the private hands, you don't see the volatility. I mean, of course, of course, apartments are should be priced less with current interest rates because, you know, then the cap rates are higher and all that. But there's a limit like, OK, because all right, you know, maybe your financing cost is higher. But hey, but, uh, you know, my rents are going up, right, because they're not building enough and. Yeah. People cannot afford homes and then they rent more and all that stuff. So, well, I mean, the, the, the good, the good and the bad with apartments, it, it both comes in real estate in general is it both, it comes it, again, it's good and bad is it's a slow moving. It's slow moving. I mean, it's just, you can't buy and sell within seconds where stocks you can buy and sell within seconds. So you're going to have that volatility that provides opportunity that provides liquidity. So those are very good things where real estate, you don't have, either of those, which, you know, is good, but it's also bad. It, it would be nice if we got the, the pricing to change at times. It would be nice if you saw a little bit of more volatility sometimes and or had more liquidity at times too. I want to dive into, I'm sure you have, you know, five or 10 or whatever it is, key things that you really look at when you're looking at a business. I want to dive into just, you know, maybe a few that you think are really important what you do to look into a business, decide, okay, I'm moving forward with this investment and, and, and I'm buying stocks in this business. I, I really like businesses that have high quality revenues. Um, so, explain that. So, you know, um, as a business owner, do you prefer and one-time revenues or do you prefer recurring revenues? 
right? I prefer recurring revenues yeah. because every January I don't start from zero, right? So that's recurring revenues are higher quality revenues. I, I like revenues where the clients are kind of stuck with you, that yeah. it's tough to switch. I like revenues where you make a high margins on those revenues. Uh, I don't like revenues that, you know, uh, you make very little on that because then very little goes to the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, I like revenues. I like companies that, uh, you know, maybe their product is something better than the competitors. Uh, I'm involved with one company. It's a, it's a software company that has recurring revenues and they sell, they sell the software to the governmental agencies and, um, there's only three companies in that space that, and they are number one. <laughs> like they are a small company that develop a better product. And then nine, nine, uh, nine times out of 10, when they go to a bidding table, they win because their product is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And barely anybody knows about this business and I'm buying it as many as I can. Because when you have a formula like this, that you have a big marketplace, the marketplace is shifting towards a new, newer, better product, and your competitors have an inferior product, and your competitors are 100 times the size of yours. Hmm. Like, and nine times out of 10, you win business. It's going to turn out very well when you hold the stock long enough. Interesting. Um, what... What are you doing today? You know, we ju you just talked. It's like everybody, you know, we got a recession. We got a recession. We got a recession. You're, here, you're hearing it a hundred times a day. It's, interest rates are going up. You're hearing it a hundred times a day. Oh, we got a war in Ukraine, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. You, you're hearing the same thing every day and you're seeing the stock market. I mean, if you look at the Dow Jones, I, I don't know the exact percent that it's gone down now over the last year, but it's, it's tumbled. Um, you know, you got uh, obviously cryptocurrency, which, you know, it just sounds like you're probably not in, but that's absolutely gotten destroyed. Um, you know, all, all kinds of other stuff has gotten NFTs and all that stuff has gotten destroyed. What are you doing in today's market? How, what's your outlook? Are you a, a buyer? Are you kind of a wait and see mode? Uh, kind of give me, give me a rundown of what you're looking at today. So uh, when it comes to buying and selling, uh, so I try to, I'm always a buyer in those, um, you know, every, every penny that I have that I'm like, what do I want to buy when I have that extra money? And in terms of behavior, what I'm doing, to be honest, I'm playing a lot of soccer. After the interview, I'm going to go and play some soccer because literal market, soccer. Yeah. I yeah, thought I'm you playing. were going to maybe give me like an, you know. no, no, I'm playing soccer. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I, I'm ready after the interview. I'm ready to go and play and practice some soccer. I have a game tonight. I signed up for a lot of soccer leagues. I'm like, Mr. Market is completely insane. I'm not going to sit in front of a computer and try to reason with the psychopath like no like like you, you go you go check into your rehab whenever you're done with your rehab then then maybe i'll play a little bit less soccer but while you're in rehab and and you have your head checked out i'm just gonna play a lot of soccer and that's it that's what i'm doing interesting so you're more of just 
so you're more more or less on the sidelines um doing maybe a, a little bit of buying a little bit of, of selling but you're mostly sidelines and kind of just watching what's going on is that is that accurate I, i'm i'm not even i'm not even uh, like I mean, what's the point? Like, I know what the news is. Like, yeah. how many times do I have to read that the interest rates are going up? How many yeah. times do I have to read that we're in a recession? And it's like, it, like I'm not even reading that. I, I'm not even watching what the Dow is doing. It's like, I, don't, I can't tell you uh, how much the Dow is up, up and down. I, I care about my companies. I check up on my companies. I call the CEOs regularly. And, you know, I buy more shares. But I'm not going to reason with Mr. Market. Like you want to be pessimistic, you, you want the end of the world, you know, go ahead. You know, like I'm just going to, with the extra money that I have, I'll buy more shares. And in the meantime, I'll go and play some ball and, you know, you, 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 you keep getting your education. I mean, that's, that's just how I see it. I love the attitude. Uh, I don't really care what else is going on around, around the markets. I'm I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what I do. And you guys can go and, you know, run, run around like chickens with your head cut off. But that's not me. I love that attitude. I mean, it's, it's perfect. And it's really, if you think about what a lot of successful investors and su successful business owners do and say, that's exactly it. Like I'm not paying attention to what the masses do because the masses are always going in the wrong direction. I'm going to, do what I do. Um, and, and essentially the opposite of the masses. So when is it time to go, all right, I'm, I'm playing less soccer and I'm in front of my computer and I'm really putting the hammer down. How do you know when that time is, is it, is it just a, a gut feeling? Is it when the news kind of changes its tune? How do you, how do you know when it's that time? You know, uh, I, I guess as an investor, the, investor or an, or an operator like the the beauty of being an investor is that you don't have to be good at anything like you find people that are experts in their fields that are running their companies that are developing great products mm -hmm. and you back them yeah right and then and then they have to do all the work and so so that's that's benefit and that's and that can be a negative because people with money, usually they made this money because they hustled. They became successful in something and they made all this money. And then they go into the stock market and they just can't sit on their ass and do nothing. But as an investor, that's what you have to do. Like if you buy an apartment building and you turn it around and I back you, I'm not going to be there and tell you every day what you need to do. I backed you. You do the job, right? Yeah. You're not bringing uh, so, your tool belt? Huh? You're not bringing your tool belt? There you go. Right? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's really what happens when you are an owner of a business, mm -hmm. like partial owner. Like somebody else is doing all the work. I have CEOs. He's like, I work seven days a week, you know, 18 hours a day. Thank you very much so that I can go and play soccer. Or I can do whatever. I mean, that's the, yeah. you know, as an investor, you, you have to, like, there's a difference between working hard and working smart. And, uh, you know, Charlie Munger, who is, uh, you know, uh, with Warren Buffett, he yeah. said that the hardest thing to do for money managers is to sit on their ass and do nothing. Mm -hmm. 
because they, they constantly have to do everything. They constantly have to move. They constantly have to sell something, buy something, read the news, do, look at the charts, try to figure out what the Fed is going to do. Like, I don't do that. Like, I do a lot of work when I find investment opportunities, right? I find the investment opportunities. I want to know that they're good. I talk to the management. I talk to everybody that I can get on the phone. So I have this intense, intense due diligence period. But after I decide to buy the stock, there's not much to do other than sit for years and do nothing. So when is it going to be the next time when like I have to go and do a lot of work? Well, when a lot of the investments that I have right now play out or the stocks go high and now I'm like sitting on all this money, like where do I, you know, how do I deploy it? Where do I put it to work? That's when I'm going to go to work. But right now, what good does it do? Like I can find you 10 investment ideas now per week, but what good does it do to you? Like you need to have your investment ideas come to fruition, you know? And like, just because you, just because you get nine women pregnant in, in a, in a month, in, in a, in a month, doesn't mean you're going to create nine adults, right? It takes time for things to develop. So there's no point of me looking and switching from one idea to another, because I need to let the ones that I have mature and grow into successful investments. It's got to be why day trading is so popular is because people feel like they always have to be doing something in order to be successful with uh, investing. They think they always have to constantly be, be working. And so if they're just doing these kind of slow investments, the Warren Buffett type investments, you, what you do, uh, where you're watching these companies play out, you're investing long for the long term. You're investing because you feel like the company's going to have success. That that doesn't. It's not a lot of as much work, and so it feels unsuccessful. Um, how long is your traditional due diligence process? And then, how many companies do you analyze before you pull the trigger on one? I would say about three weeks will take me to analyze the company. And uh, how, many do I, how many do I look at? Well, it depends. Um, like, for example, uh, Canadian Stock Exchange. I looked at all the companies listed there. It was like 800 of them. I looked mm -hmm. at every single one. And then I ended up uh, looking at five from that and I ended up buying one. Um, you're not doing I've, a deep dive, a three-week look, though, into 800. No, no. But you remember how I said 80 to 90% of them are trash? Yeah. So I you're mean, eliminating it, those. Yeah, like, you know, they're looking for gold. Okay. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. They're looking for this. No, thank you. They have a cure for cancer. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Next. You know, I'm looking for, for, for real businesses. Uh, and there's not a lot of them. So may, maybe, maybe out of 800, 100 of them have something real clients the rest of them have no clients mm -hmm. they have promises but no clients so it's, it's different it's different than looking at nasdaq because or nasdaq or new york stock exchange all of them have clients all of them are real businesses so it would take me much longer to eliminate yeah. them but on those secondary exchanges it's pretty quick cannabis most of the time no thank you i, I do own one cannabis company but most of them it's like no i'm, I'm not gonna get involved in pot <laughs> Mariusz, uh, this has been very fascinating, interesting. I, I love I love the mindset that you have, um, and 
it just, it just, you know, it's just, you have to have it. I th I'm thinking you have pretty thick skin and you have to have a little bit, you have to have that stomach uh, that you have, but you also have to have this attitude. Um, and, and I think no matter what, if you're a business owner or entrepreneur and you want to be successful, you have to have this attitude uh, that you're showing up with, which is, I'm not going to do what everybody else is going to do. I'm willing to sit around. I'm willing to go play soccer. I'm willing to go do whatever else I need to do or want to do when it's not time to be playing, right? It's when, when it's not time to be, uh, you know, buying and selling and, and doing all that and analyzing deals. I'm, I'm willing to sit and not do it. Um, so I think that's awesome. I got a couple last questions I want to ask you and then we'll wrap up. Uh, first question I want to ask you is what's a mistake that you've made along your journey, maybe, you know, whether it's before you started in the investing or, or during or whatever, but what's a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from it? Um, I invested in gold mining stocks. And so what, when, when they what were popular mistake though, uh, getting involved in the worst business in the world, <laughs> that's the mistake. Like now, now I want to be involved in great businesses. Yeah. Uh, because I, I even, even created a, 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 a playlist on my YouTube channel titled why I hate mining stocks. So I kind of shook up the mining, the mining industry a little bit because people were like, Oh, you know, I love mining stocks. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. They're the worst businesses on the planet run by the biggest fools on the planet. Like go watch the mining stocks. I told them, go and watch my mining stocks video series. And hopefully you will vaccinate your brain against this industry. That was the biggest mistake. I will never again get involved in this industry because when you get because involved it's... in an industry that's so terrible, it's the odds are so against you. Yeah. Is it because uh, it's so speculative? Is, is that, the um, it's, it's a really a tough business. You, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're looking for gold. You're, you're trying to process something out of the ground. It's very capital intensive. Like, Oh my God, they always need money. Like always need more money. And then you, you, you have an asset or, or your income, the, uh, you produce yourself out of business because it's, it's a depleting resource, de depleting asset. Hmm. Um, it's, 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 just, like a develop, yeah. it's like a real estate development company that never finishes their projects. They always need money because they're always doing new projects, but they never get a product finished. Yeah, and then their product is, is a commodity. Like yeah. th there's no brand name to it. Brand. It's completely yeah. dependent on the market. Uh, so that was, that was, that was the biggest uh, lesson, uh, yeah. getting, uh, getting involved in those horrible, awful businesses. And people give me a hard time about it now. It's like, <laughs> oh, like, I'm like, screw you. I don't care. This is the worst business on the planet. And don't waste my time. Because people send me stuff all the time. I look at this. I'm like, if they're looking for gold, no, thank you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? What's a, what's a favorite book, um, you know, business, investing? What's a favorite book of yours? I don't have a favorite one, but I would say anything, uh, anything about, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, his style of investing. Uh, you know, there's a business behind it. How do, you, how do you understand between the good and bad business, average business? Um, just things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, last uh, last question before we wrap here is: What are your three pillars of wealth creation? 
Well, number one, think independently. Number two, go where others uh, don't want to go. Look for obscure things. And then uh, number three, uh, you know, you don't you don't have to have the crowd to agree with you. Love it. Love it. All right, Mariusz, really appreciate the time. How can our listeners, um, you know, get in touch with you, learn, learn more about what you got going on and, and kind of follow what you're doing? Remember the um, impossible to pronounce first and last name that you tried at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Just take that name and put it into YouTube, find my YouTube channel, subscribe to it. And then uh, that's all I will say. That's how you can find me. Okay. So we're going to put that, by the way, in the show notes for, for the listeners. So you don't have to try to figure out how to spell that impossible to say name. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. You can click on it um, and, and we'll have some links there for you as well. So, okay. Uh, look, man, I, I just really appreciate the time and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, fun to talk to somebody who's doing things uh, just a lot different than the rest of the the rest of the the world, right? The rest of the rest of society. It's a lot of fun to to talk to somebody who's shaking things up. So you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. The rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.